Hi there, this is Stuart McKee, host of Musicians FAQ Podcast. Please join me weekly where we have music and chat with some of Canada's hottest artists. Wayward Saints with In the Wild. Wayward Saints just happen to be my very special guest this week. My name is Stuart McKee, and this is Musicians FAQ. 
yourself before you love anybody else. Well, I am absolutely thrilled about my guests this week. They're an old-school rock and roll band who are fresh and new on the scene and on a mission to bring back the spirit of real rock and roll, both to the old and new generations, with influences such as Humble Pie, Almond Brothers, Faces and the Rolling Stones, just to name a few. And to me, they're like ACDC with harmonies. What a glorious band, featuring the powerhouse vocals of Lindsey Coleman, the twin lead and rhythm guitar work of Darren Flower and Justin Bennett, and the tight, thunderous rhythm section of Bill Bertram on bass and Aaron Bennett on drums. I am so excited to have them here in the studio today with me. Please welcome the future of rock and roll in Canada, and hopefully the world, Wayward Saints. All right, so joining me on Musicians FAQ this week is Darren Flower and Lindsay Coleman from Wayward Saints. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, man. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you, Stuart. My pleasure. It's, it's, it's so great to see you both face-to-face. Darren and I have uh, known each other for a little while now as we're both uh, hosting our own radio shows and we've been interacting a little bit on social media. Uh, and Lindsay, I just had the pleasure of sort of pseudo social media introduction to you uh, last week or the week before. Uh, so it's really great to be able to sit and chat with the two of you uh, from the band Wayward Saints. So normally what I do is I go back kind of the beginning and there's two of you on the show so um we only have an hour but maybe we'll just kind of skim over that the highlights um start with you Lindsay. where were you born uh, what was the childhood like and talk about maybe some of the things that led you to music sure yeah uh, i was born in in ontario canada um i think yeah london ontario actually um what my childhood was was pretty pretty great actually i mean i, I grew up around a really supportive family uh, and, and a pretty musical family um, my mother was a professional singer and my uncle's a professional singer songwriter so that really that really sort of started a lot for me my mom had me singing at a very early age she was a choir director and um you know had me on stage very early performing and you know just getting that that vibe but i think in general, my mom was, you know, really good about making sure that I kind of took a professional stance in music pretty early, like I was in singing contests and things like that. So that really kind of started it. Um, and uh, picking up the guitar, because my uncle was really the only one in the family that actually played an instrument uh, professionally. And so that just seemed like the logical thing to do was to sort of go the guitar route. And I don't play guitar in this band. Maybe eventually I might. But, um, you know, uh, that that's kind of... That's kind of how things got started, I guess. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it's nice having that support right from the beginning where a lot of people, maybe there's music around the house, but parents kind of think, oh, you're crazy to get into this business. But uh, you've already had a, a bit of a background on that. Um, although I have found more often than not with the interviews and the guests that I've talked to, most of the parents and the, the families have been really supportive. So, Darren, what was your background like? Well, from the age of five, I was forced to have piano lessons. <laughs> and you know I was five so I never really connected to it I didn't care I, I didn't know why I was doing it and I did it from five to 14 and I ended up actually hating music for a long time and the only music that I was really into was video game music because I was a normal kid and I did not want to play stupid piano I just yeah. wanted to play baseball and video games so by default the only music I really heard was video game music at that point so um, I was forced to do piano but by the age of 12, I started to discover rock music, and I started taking guitar lessons, and I had a wonderful teacher who never talked to me like a, a little kitty, and was cool, was very knowledgeable, had the right, um, you know, kind of demeanor for the job, and, you know, I credit him a, a lot for helping me, you know, discover rock and roll at a young age. Nice, nice. I was at the right age. And, of course, at that time, there was all this cool stuff in the 90s and whatever. So, yeah. you know, when I was a young kid, I was forced to play music. But at the age of 11, 12, it really hit me like a brick to the face. <laughs> wow. I can relate. Um, so you know, what were some of the bands that you, were, that you were listening to back in the day? Who were some of your faves? Okay. So the first song that I think really got me was that rock opera song from Meatloaf. Do you remember that one? Cause I would do anything <laughs> for love. I was deeply obsessed with that song. Don't laugh. Okay, you can laugh. No, it's just funny. It is funny, no. But it's a really well-written song when you think about it. it and I was 11 years old and I was so um, inspired from it. And I made my father, we were on a vacation in Mexico and I made him buy me the cassette which dates me a little bit. Uh, I mean, the MP3. Um, 
may, <laughs> I made him buy that for me. I mean, it is an epic song. It's an epic song. And to this day, as an older gentleman, I, I still love this song. It, 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 if anything, it's gotten better for me. That's funny, actually. I mean, and talk about dating yourself. I mean, you just made me feel a little bit older. Yes, you still. Can, well, you, you're you're how old? Twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I listened to Meatloaf. Old. I listened to Meatloaf when it first came out on the vinyl record, and it was the you know the first album before like sort of that was the that song that you're talking about was the song I think we had to wait like ten years as a follow up second album to the first huge album that that was at every high school dance and every wedding that I've ever been to. Um, yeah. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, I think, was the big hit on that one from the Battle to Hell album. But uh, yeah, killer, killer vocal and, and killer songwriting by Jim Steinman, who I think just passed away not too long ago, just recently. All the greats are are fading away, so so luckily we have some new greats coming along to take their place. Um, so how did you get back into sort of the '70s rock? When did that transition happen? Okay, well, you know, so when I was 12, I was getting guitar lessons and stuff like that, and um, I definitely had a wild spirit, so I fell into uh, the heavy metal for a, a long time, and I listened to a lot of uh, angry, aggressive stuff that maybe a 12-year-old shouldn't be listening to. <laughs> but around 1920, I started to kind of mellow out. I was in a fork in the road. I'm like, do I do metal? I never told her this. Okay, exclusive. But I, I was around 19 years old, and I was thinking, do I go into metal or do I do something else? And, you know, I always loved the melodies and the happy vibes of the 70s rock. So around 1920, I did a hard switch. And I mean, I'll always love metal, but I really love um, the melodies and the happy thoughts and stuff. And I'm, I was around 1920 when I started to do that. Nice, nice. What, what were some of the first bands that grabbed you hmm. from the from the old school era? And I know well, you feature was, a lot of them on your show now. So. Right. So when I was a younger lad listening to metal, I also did like Zeppelin, not love them yet. I did like the Black Crows, but I didn't love them yet because I was really into, like, rocking hard. Yeah. Um, but around 18, 19, uh, Shake Your Money Maker from the Black Crows and Southern Harmony especially was like, oh, my God, I think I got to do that. So for a long time, I was treating it like the Bible. I'm like, I think that's what I kind of have to do. That feels right. Like, as much as I love metal, I don't think I want to play it and, you know, tour with it and stuff like that. And, uh so I, it just felt better to do that style of music. And uh, 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 that album right there was a great introduction to the blues rock world. Yeah, 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 for sure. Great band. Um, and I actually had the, the pleasure of seeing them in concert many, many years ago when they first sort of came around. There's a whole kind of resurgence with bands like the Black Crows and Georgia Satellites and all these guys that were kind of paying okay. homage to the Stones and the, and the Faces and the old Zeppelin stuff. And it was really cool. Um, so Lindsay, how about you? What kind of music did you first start listening to? Has, has it been consistently sort of in the heavier rock all along, or did you start out somewhere else? So, yeah, I, well, I mean, because I was exposed to music and a lot of music at a pretty young age, um, you know, um, we used to go to like bluegrass and gospel jamborees and, and, um, and things like that in like community halls and, there'd be a lot of that going on. So that was early. Uh, my mom's vinyl collection consisted of like Linda Ronstadt and the mamas and the papas. That was huge. Cool. Um, so, you know, I'm like, you know, five years old and, and, and vibing out to Linda Ronstadt. Right. So, I mean, it's not typical, but, uh, but that was kind of an earlier start for me. Mamas and the papas were huge because of the harmonies. And yeah. I, I, I wanted to be able to sing harmonies as, as well as my mother. Uh, which I don't even know if I still do that to this day. I think she's better at it than I am. Um, but uh, but yeah, and and sort of getting Simon and Garfunkel, sort of like more of that folk singer songwriter, you know, rootsy kind of stuff. I didn't graduate into the heavy stuff. I'd say until you know more like Darren, like when I was a teenager. Um, you know, as a teenager, Darren and I are, are closer in age, so you know there was the '90s. I mean, grunge became a thing. Like you know, I'm a kid. Um, and then I was really actually got into industrial music and sort of heavier stuff. I liked heavy metal um, as well, but I knew about classic rock. Uh, you know, I had a lot of older cousins and stuff. So my classic rock early on would be like, say, ACDC and Deep Purple um, and things like that. And then I started to, you know, 
I always heard Southern Rock, um, the band, um, you know, Roots Rock there. That was um, a huge album that everyone in my family loved, you know, or sorry, a band, uh, but the, the Brown album specifically was always on play. Um, and then graduating into Southern Rock from there became a logical step, like Skinner, like my older cousins, like Skinner, nice. uh, the Almond Brothers and stuff. So, and then I just started realizing, oh, there's a lot more out there, like Humble Pie and 10 Years After and... You know, um, you know Johnny Winter, all that stuff. So I think, I think, you know, I think it was a natural evolution. But it's kind of funny as a teenager, I'm listening to like Nine Inch Nails and Nirvana, and then, you know, but I always had my cousins kind of going, yeah, but this stuff's way cooler because it's yeah. always been around. Yeah. And then I eventually just listened to them about it and and gave up the fad, if you will. You know, <laughs> so. that's awesome. Well, I mean, and it yes. warms my heart uh, to hear all this music being talked about because I mean, this is the stuff I grew up with, and uh, for me, and I certainly wasn't getting any influence in rock or, or pop or anything from my parents. I think the only only common denominator we might have had was would have been Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley. Um, but right. my older my older brother and sister uh, and all their friends, and they used to have parties when the parents were away, and I was always the DJ. I'd sit in the corner and, you know, as a, as a very young teen, and I won't say how young, um, and somebody had slipped me a beer to try to bribe me to put the record on because my brother would always say, you know, Stu's in charge of the record player. Um, so a lot of times it was just getting introduced to some great bands, and I already, I already had a pretty wide, cast a pretty wide net myself, so I can relate to what you're saying, like you're listening to Nine Inch Nails and then you're listening to this. I mean, I was listening to everything and drove my friends crazy. They're like, and what is with you and your weird taste in music? But uh, there's yeah. nothing like the classics. And, and Darren, you're a big Southern rock guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. I guess you can kind of say that. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe she's cooler than you. I don't, I don't know. I just. No, no, she definitely is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I, 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 think, that. I think everybody in this band has got a really eclectic taste, yeah, but there, yeah. is a, there is a handful of bands that we all love collectively. I have to say, I love Nice Just. I didn't know that you were into that kind of stuff. That's amazing. Because yeah, I like, love Trent Reznor, and he's actually a musical hero of mine. Yeah. I don't talk about it often, but he really, you know, he's kind of like a genius I mean, really you know, that's yeah. what I think, so. there is there is a time in my life where like that was a huge part like a couple years there i'd say two years where that's it i was listening to, well it was a big long two years i mean I when you're guy. a teenager that they stretch out <laughs> I love that guy. but Te but yeah I mean, time yeah nine inch nails uh, a skinny puppy like you uh, ministry ministry dancing like i mean i was i loved all of it but you know i because I could play an instrument and I didn't have a, a sample machine, I obviously was listening to stuff that I could play. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah. that's cool. Well, and the we're learning stuff about right here. That's I amazing. Noticed, yeah, I, I thought that that's great. The, the show works in mysterious ways and bringing out things that you guys. I uh, haven't had a chance you to discuss in mysterious ways. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Uh, and I and I noticed you had an Alfred Lindsay a beer there, but um, you know you're nice well, enough. driving. Oh, okay. No, I'm all set. Oh, oh she's all set. set. <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody, nobody offered me one. You want uh, a beer? No, I'm, I'm good, actually. But, uh, I'll you one. Well, thank you. I could have my son run and grab me one. It was funny, though, when you mentioned uh, Trent Reznor again with Nine Inch Nails. I mean, and um, I actually kind of, I mean, I always heard of Trent Reznor. I heard of Nine Inch Nails. I'd been familiar with the music. But what brought me in more with them uh, was when he wrote, it was the song Hurt, when Johnny Cash recorded his song Hurt right near the end of right. the career end of his life um and i saw a biography on him recently which uh yeah blew me away i agree he's definitely genius and he's doing a lot of movie soundtracks and things now so Hold on. was the first time you ever heard of nine snails through johnny cash's version of hurt well no i'd yeah. heard of i'd heard of them before but i i wasn't really that familiar with them i mean i was aware right. of the band i actually saw them um i actually saw them at uh at woodstock 94 um they played there with uh, nice. i believe unless i was mistaken now there was a lot of imbibing going on that weekend so i might have been confused but uh oh they were there they were there yeah, they were there yeah. Yeah. so um aerosmith okay. i think we we kind of had the heavier day i think aerosmith is probably the lightest of the bands that we saw well, actually we saw crosby stills nash that day as well but it was which is weird because everybody else in the start of the stage well it was and they and they had different stages and we were trying to make it over to other stages but it was such a a shit show there with all the mud and the crowds and and well yeah wasn't wasn't nine inch nails weren't they all covered in mud 
Oh, it was crazy. I think yeah. that was... show. Yeah, yeah. They they oh, actually no. went and played in the mud and then went on stage. I think on that. Well, area. yeah. Fun. I think anybody was trying to relive the the Woodstock thing. Funny thing, we were on the top of a hill, and we were actually sitting on a huge group of porter potties literally on the roof of these things, you know, drinking some beer and smoking some pot. And I can say that now because it's legal, but wasn't then. Um, and we were watching, well we, people, well, we were watching people slide down this hill, this hill of mud, and they're all sliding down these hills and they're getting covered in mud. And then we're sitting here and we're kind of going, you know, we're at the top of the hill and we're sitting on these porta potties. <laughs> I wonder if it's yeah. just mud that they're actually sliding in. Um, so yeah. It was, yeah, it was a little disturbing. But it's yeah. also brave, you know, because somebody <laughs> could have just pushed you over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, these things are pretty stable. They were, yeah. I mean, we weren't right teetering on the edge, but close enough. I mean, and a right. lot of chaos, a lot of chaos ensued. But that's that's for another episode. Um, but yeah, I, I've actually, I think I've seen Nine Inch Nails like three times, and I, I've actually Twice. seen the Black Crows I think four times. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I've only yeah, seen like, Black Crows once. What, I could talk about live shows for forever, oh. though. <laughs> We're probably not going to, but yeah. uh, anyway. Well, you know, it's an important part of it. I mean, and especially these days when there's been such a limitation on, on live shows. But I do have an old uh, sort of photo album. That I keep all my ticket stubs from over the years. And, you know, going back to Sticks in 1978 and the Rolling Stones in 1981 at Rich Stadium and, wow. and, and everything since then. And, yeah, I mean... There was very few bands at the time that I missed. There's, there's always a few, and there's always a few regrets. So, who, uh, on that note, Lindsay, who would be a band that you would have killed to see that you never got to see, or an artist? Oh, Sharon, Sharon Jones and and Charles Bradley. Um, if you're not familiar with them, I'm they, not. <laughs> I'm sitting here smiling, going, yeah, "Okay, that's, that's okay." Yeah, um, they're just incredibly soulful. Um, it's 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 really sort of it was a resurgence of soul. Um, it like sort of like that Motown, like soul R and B, just but passionate, really beautiful stuff that you know they, it was it came it came back in the two thousands, and in fact they were both on the same record label, and both of them passed away, and I didn't get a chance to see either one of them play live, um, and I really regret it because if you do actually YouTube any footage of these two, it is just a powerhouse of just, you literally you feel like you're being transported back to the 60s and 70s of those beautiful eras of just dancing and having fun or like literally getting your heart broken. And they're putting it all out on stage 100% every moment of that show. So yeah, I, I that's for sure was, it, it, it breaks my heart that I never got to see that. Incredible. I'll be looking them up after the show. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's it's always nice to discover somebody that you haven't heard of, and I'm always surprised um, when I haven't. But uh, Darren, how about you? Is there any sort of standouts? If I could build a time machine to maybe 1971, I probably wanted to go uh, see Edgar Winter's White Trash. Now, that's mm. not a racial slur. No, that's no. actually the name of the band, and that was his uh, soul band, and it was effing awesome. Mm. And um, it was fantastic. Uh, I have to say, you know, I probably instinctively what would would rather see that than almonds at the Fillmore. Wow, yeah, that's a, that's a big yeah. statement. Both big both word. would both would be incredible. And it's funny, I've got yeah. um, I've got some live stuff of them from way back, as I'm sure you do. Uh, I've I've seen Johnny Winter in concert, and I've seen Edgar Winter in concert, and I've seen Rick Derringer in concert, but never all of them together. And it's funny, Johnny Winter and Edgar Winter both played the Kitchener Blues Festival years ago, but they never actually played together. They played on different nights. Um, so I thought, oh, we might have a sort of a reunion here. <clears throat> and then a couple of years later, I think Rick Derringer had played as well. I think he was in White Trash. And I can't remember who else was in that band, but uh, I love that man. he was a producer. He produced yeah. a lot of the Winter Brothers stuff. I have a lot of respect for Rick Derringer and Rock and Roll Hoochie is badass, especially badass. when Johnny Winter does it. Yeah, it's, you know a, I mean? it's, a, it's a killer, killer song. Uh, you I like that I, song a lot, huh? Yeah, I'm a huge Johnny Winter fan. I, I saw him at a small did you club. Know there, there was a line of, did you know there was a line in that song about the band called the Jokers who were laying it down? You yeah. know that one? Yeah. Apparently, that was about Dickie Betts. I, I think Rick Derringer saw him in Sarasota, Florida, or someplace, Tallahassee, perhaps. And so that was a little, little line to pay tribute to uh, great Dickie Betts.
Something of a special surprise for you tonight. People keep asking me, uh, where's your brother?
a couple of fave artists and fave songs of Lindsay Coleman and Darren Flower from Wayward Saints. The first one was Sharon Jones doing an amazing cover of Midnight Rider, the famous Allman Brothers song. And the second one was Edgar Winter's White Trash doing a version of rock and roll Hoochie Coo, which was written by White Trash producer Rick Derringer, also a guitar player, singer, songwriter in his own right. And it also featured the lead guitar and lead vocals of Edgar Winter's brother Johnny. Just being conscious of time, I want to kind of fast forward a little bit and and talk a little bit. And I've heard some of the, the, the stories about how how this band came to be, how the Wayward Saints came to be. So um, maybe, Darren, I think you were kind of the impetus of this band and maybe tell us how that all started and, and how everybody else came to be part of this great band. Well, me and Lindsay were in uh, bands before this. And um, mine was just about ready to fizzle out 2015. Um, I definitely, you know, keep my ear open to see what uh, kind of talent is out there. And I just, just, I discovered, I found out about Lindsay around 2016, if I remember correctly. And I remember thinking, what a voice. And I, I used to think, imagine what being a band with her would be like, you know. Um, <laughs> well, he's he's regretting that choice now. So. <laughs> I, I, I doubt it. And, and I had, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. And I had the very same reaction when I, I was like, what a voice. Um, I might have said what a effing voice, but uh, anyways. Well, hey. <laughs> PG, brother. I'll take it. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind. Darren, Darren actually bugged me for... Um, a couple of years, actually. I think it was about two years, and I and I was in another project at the time. So I, I was like, "That's cool," but you know, I've got something going on. I don't really want to split my attention right now. Um, but he just kept at it, and then when that band kind of you know petered out a little bit, um, uh, then he was like, "Hey, I heard uh, you know things are kind of slow now with that band. Uh, what do you think?" <laughs> And I actually still kept him and, you know, uh, you know, so just it was like, hey, yeah, maybe I'm not sure. Um, and he said he sent me some stuff and I liked it. But I was like, hey, what, what else do you have? And it wasn't until he sent me the next batch of songs that what was really cool about it was that I was like, oh, that's good. I like that. And then uh, but, you know, I got to go to work, whatever. So I turned it off. I, I only heard about 30 seconds of the first song that he sent me. He sent right. me like, I think, four or five and then I went to get ready for work and I couldn't get the riff out of my head. I just could it kept playing in my head. And I started thinking lyrics right away and I went, oh no, like, this is crazy. I, I'm gonna have to call this guy back because I have to sit down and write out what's in my head and that doesn't happen too often. So it looks like I'm actually gonna meet up with Darren finally after a couple of years of him bothering me, but I'm so glad I did. And you know, the rest of the guys in the band, um, I mean, they're so talented and, they're so genuine and and professional but we just we just all really we get along and when we don't we're professional about it and and everybody's got such great cool tasteful backgrounds uh, and they're all just a little bit different but there's there's still such uh common uh denominators in terms of our influences that it really just it, it's a secret sauce to the fact that we've all been in bands before but you know we we finally are with the company of people that really want to see something through and we're willing yeah. to put in the work. So I'd say that that's, that's really the, the magic of this band. And, and the fact that, you know, I think we all have the talent to back it up. I personally feel like everybody in this band has got something really great to bring to the table. So yeah, they sure do. Uh, so the other guys, you have Aaron Bennett on drums and Justin Bennett, who said no relation, um, no relation. As, the, as the other guitar player and Bill Bertram on bass. So, so talk about how those guys came to join the band. Well, you know, I live in Mississauga, which is not too far from the KW area where you're from an hour away. Very close. And the thing about Mississauga is um, the people that are in the 30-ish area, they, they seem to really like the modern rock, which is cool, right? But um, there isn't a lot of um, us people who kind of like the classic rock style. That's what I find. Yeah. So one day I got a friend request from Justin Bennett about five years ago. I'm like, yeah, okay, he's from Mississauga. I, I kind of sussed him out a little bit. He seemed a little cool. He had really cool hair. So, you know, that's one of the prerequisites. And uh, <laughs> I added him. And, I have noticed you know, everybody in the band has great hair. <laughs> yeah, you know, we put, spent a lot of time on it, to be honest with well, you. Well, with the exception of Aaron, who has none, but that's okay. Don't oh, tell him that. No, oh, that's sorry. not true. Actually, no. yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to bring that up. I, oh, oh, but but I, 
I thought that was self-induced. I thought that was just a look he was going for, sort of the. No, that's what makes it great, is because that that really makes him stand out and <laughs> behind the kid. <laughs> so with Justin, um, you know, we were in the same city. I started chatting up a little bit, and he added me because he always saw me posting about like humble pie this and almonds that, and um, you know, Led Zeppelin this and whatever, and him. He's kind of an anomaly in Mississauga, I feel, because I don't, I can't find people of this age bracket around this area. And he lives about 10, 15 minutes away. So I got a chance to meet him, and we got along pretty well. And then shortly after, we decided, you know, well, you're not in a band. I'm trying to, you know, put together a band. Why don't we play guitar together and, you know, maybe have fun? Nice. And as it turns out, we get along very, very well. He's a very special band. Yeah, member. Justin's great. Yeah, he's great. And he's they they really complement each other in in terms of their playing styles. I mean, they're 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 different enough, but also again, there's that common factor that that it that it just it's really interesting to watch them write. I've actually never seen that before. I've been in a bunch of bands where you know there's there's two guitar players and you know there's a lot of back and forth whereas these these guys it's very little back and forth they're able to communicate with each other so efficiently about what they're trying to achieve or what the ideas are and then all of a sudden you're like whoa we might have to write another song around that because that's wow. that's amazing too you know Stuart's so. a guitar player and a songwriter so he gets it right so yeah. here's a thing me and Justin we have two very different styles of guitar playing totally. But it's kind of like a peanut butter and jelly kind of thing, and I feel that way with her as well too. Yeah. With, the, with 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 peanut butter and jelly, I like that too. But with Justin, I have a peanut butter and jelly thing going on as two guitar players, mm -hmm. and with Lindsay, I find we have a peanut butter and jelly thing going on with uh, you know guitar player and singer as well too. So I think like you know we work together really well. We work together really well, and it, it's great. And it, and it's actually rather effortless as well, too, which is great. Yeah, when you're talking about the rhythm section, I mean, um, Aaron's the, the second second drummer in, in the band. Um, but but really, when we had to we had to take a bit of a break because we were trying to find a replacement. But, you know, Aaron's Aaron's energy, he's just infectious. He's he's definitely the clown of the band. We're all pretty clownish. Like we love to clown around and be silly and. Uh, but Aaron's one-liners, I mean, man, you know, <laughs> what he comes up with yeah. and how his brain works. Like, he really keeps the humor going, but he's also just a thunderous player, um, which is really cool. And then and in terms of Bill, I mean, you've got you got the, the nicest personality in, in, in a man you could ask for. Um, and and honestly, like, he just – he brings that – he brings his the, the eclectic more – um, worldly influence because you know he's from Brazil and he's right. just got a really cool you know not so standard type of playing happening that really you know it peppers that flavor in and it's just it's really unique yeah that's nice well and the camaraderie is a huge part of it I mean I've played in bands and done lights for band and roadies with bands and, and I found a lot of the moments uh, you know obviously everybody's in it for the music and the love of music but if, if you get along great with the people and you have humor and you have a fun time it, I mean it makes it a lot easier especially when you're the more you work together obviously in tight spaces in the studio and on stage and all these interviews and and things like yeah. that it can be like a like a five-way marriage and uh so it sounds like you guys it have definitely it. is i mean yeah. you're spending a lot of time together you're also making art together which is extremely subjective and also extremely personal yeah. so it's very easy to to covet something and and not be open-minded and be closed-minded because it's so personal to you right. your line your riff your this it's we have to remember you're a part of a collective and i think i think the thing about this band that i find really fun is that you know everybody's pretty professional about understanding that what we do is for the benefit of the song yeah. um and that we don't get too protective over what we've brought to it we're, we're open-minded about maybe making some changes and that's new to me um there's a lot of bands i've been in the past where there's always some friction or some ego or yeah. you know one or two people in the band have a harder time with that concept and you get through it but it you know when it keeps happening it's kind of like that the relationship just you know those ties start to break down sure um and i just i just don't find that we have those issues and when those issues do come up we handle it well we get through it really well so 
you know, it's the kind of people you want to be married to, I guess, is what, yeah. what I'm saying in short. <laughs> you know? that, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that sounds really great. Um, so, and, and hopefully it doesn't become like one of these spinal tap things where you keep losing drummers or, or things happen to the drummers. Yeah, and the sports and so. That was my last band. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, my last band had 18 different people <laughs> over 12 years. Yeah, yeah I, can, uh, I can relate. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that's probably more the common thing. I mean, it, yeah, and it's funny how, especially when people are younger, and maybe that's a little bit of what it is, is that you guys aren't teenagers anymore. Um, you know, you've been through, been through your 20s and you've matured a bit and you've had the experience of the other bands. And, and the fact, Lindsay, that you took your time, you know, kind of playing hard to get with Darren before there was some sort of connection uh, with you being inspired lyrically. So is that generally how the songwriting works? Is it that the guys are doing the music and you're doing the lyrics or is it kind of a mix of different things or how does the process work? I mean, so far, yeah, I'd say that what's also interesting about this band that I've not been a part of, like in in previous bands, I would do a lot of the the writing Um, and I bring the idea to the table and we'd write around it. Um, and, but with, and then sometimes they would come up with, with a cool vibe and then we just build the whole thing around that with this band. Um, when I came in, they had so many ideas formed, especially between Justin and Darren, that we're still working through a lot of those ideas. So I'm building on a lot of things that have already been built lyrically and, you know, things get changed and and we mold it together as, as a group. But the core ideas and a lot of these, I mean, a, a large foundation of these songs are, are already set. And that's that's a lot of the work um, has been done by just Justin and Darren in that department. Well, we kind of like have this clay thing going around that we, you know, we pass to the next member and the next member. Yeah. So they had a chance to put their thumbprints on it as well, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when we pass it back, it's like, whoa, yeah. WTF, right? Yeah. It's like, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, they they give us this interesting shell that most of the time literally has an intro and outro and everything in between. And then we go, whoa, okay, what are we going to do with this? And that, that that's basically the two of them get together and then we go, oh, wow, all right. <laughs> you know? And it's interesting, yeah. too. Like, I have to, okay, do you mind me sharing a kind of cool story? Sure. Okay, yeah. real talk, okay. So I'm guessing you're familiar with the song Pain No Mind and you've spun it like 100 million times, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, I know, I know. 100 well, million so, and one. <laughs> of course. Ooh, of course. Better. I've been keeping track, okay? Well, you know, the song was kind of and flipped on I, his head. Yeah. I think I made some enthusiastic what? comments, which maybe should have been censored. <laughs> Anyways, go on. <laughs> okay. Well, um, you know, I, I presented her. I, sh- I was kind of working on this, like, this riff. And I was showing her what I thought may- might be the intro, maybe the verse. And she totally flipped it around. I'm like, WTF, how is this supposed to work? And my brain couldn't compute it properly. Yeah. But then she started, like, you know, jiving and doing her thing over. And I'm like, by Jove, so, she got it. Yeah, so yeah, essentially that's cool. the, that's cool. the, the, verse, the verse part is what Darren intended to be the intro. And I said, no, no, I want to play... I want to play with Justin's guitar riff. I want to dance around that riff with my vocals and actually make it even more jangly because I, I just love that part. I mean, it's yeah. such there's such a hook there that I I want to hear. I want to play with that and make it kind of interesting. You know, you could you could you could go straight on a verse and then give that the intro, but I'm always going to want to hear that again. So why not make everybody hear it a little bit more? Yeah. So and the other thing is too. So with future ideas, I always think to myself, well, I have this. But don't get you know too committed to it because you never know when things get flipped around. Probably for the better, anyways. And well, do you happened. think it was for the better? I think so. Okay. Like, you know, well, you know, like it's, it's, it's one way. Like I had it kind of mapped out a little bit, but then like you know, seeing like the finished product, I'm like goddamn. But anyway, so yeah, so yeah. like you know, when I you know when we come up with stuff, we always think to you know about you know not being very committal to it because things can change you know very quickly. Yeah, yeah. and it, we have a hard rule in the band that every idea gets tried. So that everybody knows that they've got a voice. So if you have an idea, we're going to try it. Um, and I think that, I think that helps to stick, keep things open-minded. So yeah, it, yeah, sometimes it, it takes a song longer to get finished, but that, I mean, we all feel like we have a hand in it. Um, and as a goal, ultimately to get an EP or an album out sometime by next year in time for the touring season? The, the, the goal is to, to have an album by next year. We're not entirely sure when it will be finished. We're hoping that right. it'll be finished within next year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. And videos for both songs now, right? Yeah, we actually have, um, there's actually f- uh, two videos for both. Uh, there's um, a regular a video, an official video, and there's a behind the scenes video 
um, for both songs. Right, um, yeah. 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 yeah and well, uh, the behind the scenes for Pay No Mind is actually inside our member area, which you can sign up for free. And there's a lot of cool stuff that, you know, we don't release publicly in there. You sign up for free, you kind of get, you know, those extras. And then um, in the wild, the behind the scenes is public as well as the official. Okay. And then you guys did a lip sync contest, which I saw as well. That was kind of neat. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so, and then I mentioned earlier, sort of before we got on air here um, about you're selling t-shirts and, and you're selling buttons. Um, any upcoming shows? Do we have uh, anything booked? No, not at the moment. And, and we're not super concerned about that yet. We really right. are wanting to fine tune our set and really fine tune these songs. I mean, I feel like the approach, a lot of bands take is that the song's good enough. Let's go play it live. Let's test it yeah. out, tweak it later. Um, that's just not the way we work. Uh, we want to make sure that it's that we're proud of it and that we can stand behind it. And then it's studio ready. And then, and then we'll be starting to play some shows. So it's just yeah. not a, an immediate concern. We are really itching to get back on stage. Mind you, um, that's where we really love to be. Uh, but again, the songs really need to be where we need them to be. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it definitely shows. I mean, the impact um, when I first heard In the Wild and then with the second song, Pain on Mine, it, it's incredible um, how great these songs sound. I mean, how well produced, how well sung they are, how well played they are, how well written they are. Um, I mean, in, in, in a very short time, you guys have had a lot of success with uh, building a fan base and with the streaming and with members um coming out to your to your live events that you've been doing and things like that which has been very cool so obviously oh, we, busy. We're, so, we're so grateful for that yeah 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 that's great uh, i want to wrap things up with the uh with the questionnaire well we can start uh with Lindsay. what is your favorite word uh love beautiful my favorite word's love yeah darren liquor <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was starting That's to see a, a hard liquor. I was starting to see a pattern there. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, all right. Least favorite word, Lindsay? Fear. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I actually have that. I have them tattooed on, on me. I have oh, like, the word love. I have the word love. And then there is a line and then fear is underneath it. And the, the message is just to always try to keep love over fear um, in my day to day. Uh, in my mindset, because I feel like human beings actually only react out of two places. They're either reacting out of love or out of fear. And so the more I can try to remind myself to stay in the top half of that, the better my day gets and, and the better it gets for people around me. And usually better things start happening. So, yeah. but it's not an easy thing to do. You have no, to keep trying. Um, and Darren, get a favorite word out of you is liquor oh yeah sorry (laughs) i I don't know if you had a more serious word but no it's okay we need some levity um he is serious though he's very serious about his liquor i can say the least favorite i think um maybe i'll say greed Greed. Mm. all right perfect i don't like how that uh you know people can act uh, sometimes out of money they're they're very greedy sometimes not all people but some people yeah and um i'm not really into that so i might go with that yeah. All right. What's next? No, I'm serious. I'm serious too. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you on that one. Uh, so, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, emotionally? Any or all three? Is that for me or for her? Oh, we'll go. Or we'll go us. back. We'll go back to Lindsay on this one, and then. All right. Sure. Um, okay. So for all three, I'd say what turns me on creatively, spiritually, and emotionally is is being open minded. You know, um, living in the moment for all three really. You know, if you think about it, when you're when you're trying your best to live in the moment, again, something really hard to do. Yeah, really hard. But when you can, I find that they all really. I don't know, they all just really come together pretty, pretty. That's awesome. Darren, for you. For me, um, what turns me on is something that stimulates my brain. And uh, I love uh, I'm always looking for uh, the perfect chord progression with the perfect melody slash harmony and little dressing. So. I'm really into the art of the music. There's so many different things attached to music, but yeah. I still always, I'm like searching for that elusive melody, chord progression, harmony, such. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Uh, Lindsay, what turns you off? Negativity. Yeah. yeah. The exact opposite. Like I'm yeah. not into it. I don't like it. It, 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 it just debilitates creativity. Uh, it debilitates so much, you know, it, you literally, it just puts a big, huge wall up for possibility. And I'm not a fan. 
Sure does. Uh, Darren, for you? Um, for me, I'm a very fact-based person. So I guess uh, fake news. If you actually, actually don't know factually what you're talking about, I kind of get upset. Favorite <laughs> curse Favorite curse word? I'm kind of editing myself. That's one of my favorites. So, like, I'm a big fan of the See You Next Tuesday word. Yes. I think wow. As a female, actually, I feel like it's, it's, it's underused. I feel like we should own it, reclaim it, have fun with it. Um, people who are easily offended by that is, is I feel like, uh, I, come on. like I'm trying like, to keep this PG. No, but come on. Like, why are you taking yourself so seriously? It's like, yeah, it's not yeah. a big deal. But my, my, my favorite is, is the mother F-bomb. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. Well, it's, just, it's I, so versatile. <laughs> I love that one too. It's part of my repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lindsay, what sound or noise do you love? What's it? Yeah, I read that question in advance, and and uh, it, it was a no brainer. It's ever since I was a kid, um, the the sound of of a willow tree leaves in the wind, oh, yeah. like a big full willow tree, like yeah. just blowing in the wind. There's nothing like it. It's not necessarily white noise because there's kind of like this twinkle to it and as a kid i used to like literally take naps under big willow trees so and, and just fall asleep and so that's my favorite for sure that's awesome um <laughs> so, so darren what sound or noise do you love when my lead singer starts singing oh that's nice i like that, that is, i'll take it but yeah. i'll take it it's i'm the biggest fan it's an incredible sound um and what sound or noise do you hate Hmm. Is that for me or for her? Oh, well, we can go back and forth. Uh, yeah, uh, that's any scraping. So whether it be that chalkboard stuff, mm. but or or specifically, more specifically, because I feel like that's a, a general answer. Like when someone scrapes their fork on their teeth, like that oh. scraping is <laughs> can't can't even. First of all, where's your manners? Secondly, you know. Like, why would you do that to anyone around you? And do you not hear that when you do that? It's, it's very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible sound. Uh, what about yeah. you, Darren? I don't know. You know, the old uh, nails on the chalkboard thing. Of course, I haven't seen the classroom in a couple of years. But, um, hey, you know, it's like, ugh. It'd be the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it's a terrible sound. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt, Lindsay, if there is one? Oh, what profession other than my own? I, well, when I was younger, I really, it's funny because I'm sitting with two radio DJs. When I was younger, I wanted to be a radio DJ, pretty fierce. Uh, but now that I'm older, I um, I actually want to, I want to try it at some point in my life on it's a bucket list item to, to write a book. So. Cool. Any ideas yeah. what the book would be about? For sure. I know what I want the book to be about. All but right. that's a surprise. <laughs> okay. Well, when when yeah. you're ready for that, then we'll come back and we'll do another interview, and I'll, I'll branch out from uh, from musicians to book writers. Uh, it's, I love that. Yeah, writing creativity—it's all the same for me. Um, what about you, Darren? Well, I often thought about writing a book as well too, but uh, I often uh, fantasize about you know writing for TV, you know, like comedy shows and stuff like that. So you know, that's one of like uh, my uh, pet passions or passion projects whatever the hell you call it, you know, but uh, sometimes I think about that and how much fun it would be. Um, when I was a young lad, a young girl lad, I used to think about uh, teaching at high school and I don't know how much fun it would be for the proverbial uh, light bulb to go over somebody's head. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Okay. So Ooh. that's easy for me. I would not want to be a police officer. Mm. No. See, I would actually like to be a police officer. That's funny that you say that. Yeah. I've watched a lot of Law & Order SVU, and sometimes I think about it and be like, <laughs> you know, the sex cop or this narc. I should be a good narc. You'd be a good narc? I, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that job. It's, yeah. It's, really? No. Okay. I think, I think it's really, it's, just, it's a strange, strange environment to live in. You want to do good, but it's really hard to do that. And yeah. I think that would be really frustrating for my personality to be constantly up against um, something I can't actually make like significant change. Right. So right. a little too tough for me. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Darren, what about you? man? What I would not like to do is uh, be at a cubicle for eight, nine hours a day uh, doing data entry. Yeah. Maybe some people will find it like awesome and really engaging and whatnot. And 
bless their hearts, mm. but I don't think that's the right job for me. So I don't think I'd be, you know, best suited at that. Sure. Um, and lastly, uh, Lindsay, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, overall, I'd, I'd like to say you did. I'd, I'd like to hear you did well. You know, I'd, just, I'd like to know I did at least well. I don't need good. I don't need fantastic. Just you did well. Just a passing grade. Uh, Darren, for you? I don't think God would let me in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Musicians FAQ Podcast with your host, Stuart McKee. We're here every week with great Canadian musical artists. 